UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Greg Dooley from MVictors.com. Well, please welcome Greg. And uh, Greg has been one of my friends in the press box for quite a long time. And I, I knew him before that. He's had one of the longer-lasting fan websites, uh, along with along with UMGoBlue.com. And what we wanted to do is take this opportunity of the bye week to talk about the differences that, that we see in covering the team kind of as fan media compared to what, how we see the pro media does things. Um, you know, uh, and, and I got to give Greg credit. This was his idea as a topic, and, uh, you know, all hail Greg. So, um, Greg, one of the things about what we do is that um, the University of Michigan was one of the first athletic departments to actually give credentials to, to fan sites, and we were yeah we were the recipients of that. So, could you talk about uh, how that came about for you and and your initial impressions as you started out being in the press box? Well, sure. And first, you're being very modest, Phil, because you were first. And I don't think there's any dispute about that. And um, I'm actually looking. I have my my old credentials sitting up here in my office. And I'm trying to look back to when, when the first one was because I forgot. But it was in the old press box. But, yeah, U of M was first. And I established a relationship with Bruce Mate, of course, the legendary um, SID at Michigan, who who was Bo's SID, and who was actually a traditional media guy, um, I think, for the Ann Arbor News before that. But I established a relationship with him, and I actually did a historical piece on the Bentley Historical Library, where the athletic department um, archives are held. And I did a piece on that, and I needed to talk to Bruce, because he was one of the guys who really supported it and got it going. And it kind of started, that's how my relationship with the athletic department really started. But meanwhile, I was kind of posting fan type stuff on, this is really before blogs, on kind of my personal homepage, just gregdooley.com. And posting some Michigan stuff and posting some personal stuff, again, before Facebook, before even MySpace and all that stuff. And uh, really took an interest in it. And that's where I had the idea, wow, why don't I break off and have have a dedicated site to this, kind of like you were doing. And, you know, after a few years of posting on that site and getting some attention from other sites, I said, hey, why don't I see if uh, if they'll allow me the press box? And that's, I think, at least uh, from a football perspective, that's where we met. And that was, gosh, almost like a dozen years ago. Yep. And it was. I, I will tell you that it was nice to have another fan uh, type site to be in the press box because for the longest time, I kind of felt like I was the Lone Ranger, you know, off on an island. And now I will I will say, listen, the people at the athletic department, especially Bruce Motti, have always been great, always been very accommodating. Uh, but but I will say, as one of the first fan media to, to be regularly credentialed in the press box. It was kind of a chilly reception at first from, from some people in the media. I, I don't think they really knew how, how to take, you know, the fan sites. And, and there was definitely a little a, a little bit of static in the beginning. But the people well, at U of M were great. <laughs> yeah, they, they were. And, um, I, okay, so I'll take it a step further. While fan sites are ubiquitous today, and generally speaking, we're pretty – we're pretty non-controversial guys and easy to get along with. And um, I'll tell you that I'm, I'm treated very, fr- I have a very friendly relationship with traditional media outlets, right? I know most of these guys who have come and gone, by the way, since, since we've been in the press box, uh, many of them. I still think there's a little bit of, um, okay, I went to journalism school or I grinded my teeth, you know, like a traditional journalist and they'll they'll accept you the press box and they will accept that you have a role now in media certainly or because it's ubiquitous again but i still think 
you're you're so viewed as a second class citizen. And I and honestly, Phil, I don't blame them. Um, I don't blame them because if I were in their shoes, I, I'm thinking I would feel the same way. And I would hope I would be friendly and accept them. But if I were a trained journalist and I went through the things I did, and next thing you know, there's there's uh, 20 non-traditional folks who, who were fans and they've got some talent, some of them, some of them don't. And they're kind of marching around in the press box doing, thinking they're doing my job. I would be a little, uh, a little leery of that. So I don't blame that. But I will tell you, though, that it has changed over the years. And, and I'll tell you, have you ever researched this? Was, was Michigan really the first one? Were you really the first of the major schools to, to be in the press box? So, have you ever looked into that? So once I was, sent, I was sent an article that said that Michigan was among the first and definitely the first major program to do it. Okay. That's, that's kind of cool. And and that that hats off to Bruce. Now you mentioned the the media relations. I feel like I have a good relationship with them. But what they what the media relations department, especially in Michigan, they always had uh, a little bit of control because they could always call the editor of a newspaper or an organization. And frankly, Phil, we over any of this time, once we kind of got established and got a following, we could have we could have quote unquote broke some news and have or had a story that was false or made some strong wild opinion that got a lot of attention or said, Hey, I heard this because, because we both hear a lot of things and we can talk about that. We don't do that. We haven't abused that power, but there was, there were repercussions for other media outlets when they did those things. They, they, they had, I think guys like uh, Bruce's successors had to keep us, had to keep an eye on us. And I think they have. <laughs> and I think they're more comfortable with it now. And that's one change I've seen. I think, I think they're more comfortable with, with uh, guys like us, I'll just say that, in the press box. And um, the relationship is better where I think they can trust us more. Now, there's still guys rolling around saying things we know about. Who's the guy that Abloff had to put the uh, the press release out about? How he's, he's not a member of the yeah, media. So, so there so, are a lot. So, Greg, I will tell you, though, that um, definitely there was oh, – and understand, like, like I was looking back, I got um, my first full season credential, the 2009 season, Okay. Before that, it was always intermittent as they had room. And when I, when I first got the intermittent passes, and I'll tell you, one of the, I remember one of the games I had a pass for was Appalachian State, okay? And talk about things you see in the press box, right? So the old press box, everyone was mixed together, right? It was media. There were influential alums. There were donors. There were, I mean, you were just all mixed, right? And especially. Yeah, kind of like Notre Dame. Yeah, and, Notre Dame was before. Yeah. About. Yeah. And, and kind of like even there's a little bit of mixing in Michigan State right now. So, yeah. you know, I'm up in the press box and I'm all happy to be at the game, right? And I'm sitting next to a very influential alum who was livid. I mean, pounding the desk and. You know, I'm not going to say who it was, but it was somebody very well known, somebody who definitely had some juice, and they did not expect that game to turn out how it did. The other thing that I remember about that game is it's one of the few games I actually had um, Bruce Mighty come over and talk to me during the game because you know the first half it was you know you know again a low stress game. He actually talked to me for a little while for a few minutes, and. I, I remember how different the atmosphere changed as we got to the, you know, to the third and fourth quarter. <laughs> um, but, but the reason I mentioned that, in addition to having that kind of funny story, is that you definitely, like when I say you, being a, a new media guy, being in the press box at that time, you were definitely a third-class citizen <laughs> treated like that by some of the professional media. And what's interesting is um, – I would say almost all those people have left, you know, they've moved on to other jobs or are out of the business or, um, 
you know, aren't, aren't around. So it's interesting because, you know, I, I like to think I have a, a, a pretty good relationship with the current mainstream media now, but I also think that, you know, you mentioned, you know, that, that we kind of rein ourselves in, right? So on one hand, you know, it, there's always the saying, you know, with great power, with great responsibility comes great power, great power comes great responsibility. Listen, I, I respect being there. Okay. And I, res- yes. I, I know where I am in the food chain. Okay. Um, and I, I tell the people on my staff, you know, I go every year, Hey, be thankful. We're here. We're a guest, you know, treat the people well, treat the facilities. Well, I was shocked when I first got in the press box again, over 10 years ago, just at how sloppy people were, you know, throwing garbage everywhere. Some of the people in the media really, really made a mess. And I mean, a literal mess, right. And, and like food wrappers and, and leaving, you know, soda, all, you know, soda cans everywhere. And I just said, you know what, I'm a guest in somebody's house. I'm going to respect the house and I'm going to respect the people who work there. You know, I'm nice to everyone who, who works there. Um, I like to, I like to consider that we're friendly, if not friends. And again, Greg, I, I think I want to believe that we're treated pretty well because we treat other people well. And I, I, I think you're right about that. And I a hundred percent agree. And I have seen what you're talking about, even in the bathroom, the nice bathroom we have there. Um, it, it tends to get trashed as the game, goes. not trash is harsh. It tends to be towels, you know, in the sink and things like this. It's like we share this space. So, and I'm with you. It's always a hello to the staff. It's always a, how you doing? How about the weather? What do you think? You know, that kind of stuff. And I think we both do that. And I, and I feel the same way. And you mentioned the point about when you have someone else there, I always tell when I have a photographer, um, I basically give them the same rundown. This is a privilege. This is, and by the way, you're, you're using my effectively my name or my website's name. And, um, all I have here is my reputation and my history. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I have you down here because I trust you, but be respectful and don't do anything that, you know, could, could tarnish that, whether it's how you treat people. And you're an extension of, of the reputation I've built here. And I don't want to lose that. And that's how I and, and so I think we're, we're on the same page there, man. You know, I, I always think, you know, you don't want to be that guy or gal. Right. We've seen, um, you know, you talked about some people in the newer media who, uh, again, don't exactly distinguish themselves, right? And yep. again, I always want to remember where I am in the food chain. Um, I will tell you one thing that really changed um, for me is as I started to cover more away games and, uh, uh, you know, even bowl games, I noticed that the media really seemed to warm up like it was, okay, you're serious, you know, you're putting in the in the extra work. Um, you know, now I don't go to every away game. Um, you know, I do. Uh, you know, I I do uh, pick and choose a little bit. But the point is, is that, and you know, one of the things you know, one of the things we want to talk about is you know how has it changed your fandom? I'll tell you, I look back at this last ten years, and I've had remarkable opportunities because again, I'm a fan first, and I always. I always tell myself that, that the day that I go up to the press box and it feels like a job is the day I need to quit. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it is cool. Now, now I, I always tell this story. Um, one day there was someone from the athletic department with a couple of guys and I saw him on the field before the game. And then I saw him up in the press box, kind of sitting near me, probably near us. And then I saw him in the post game a press conference near us and it occurred to me that they had won the ultimate fan experience <laughs> and what were they doing they were doing exactly what we do every game which is we're we're, we're all over the place we're, we're where we want to go in general we can get down to the field before the game now we used to be able to get down in the fourth quarter which is cool but we're kind of living the ultimate fan experience now Having seen all this, and I, and I am still a big fan, and, I, and I'm still giddy about the Notre Dame game, and I haven't felt that way in a long time. So that, that reminded me that I'm still a fan, right? Um, 
But having seen a lot of the things that go on behind the scenes, and, and including you know being in some of those Dave Brandon press conferences and through that era, and Rich Rod, and um, and frankly, I live in Saline, not too far, you know, in Pittsfield Township. Uh, you know, a lot of these the the folks that are in the athletic department, or the coaches, or their families, oh, many of them go to Saline. Um, it's it has changed me, uh, and it has changed my view. And um, from the guy who couldn't wait to get to get a season tickets, you know, in the in the nineties and things like that, and go to the game and tailgate to the guy I am today. And part of that is a product of my age. I'm almost fifty, and I have kids of my own. Um, but it has it has changed. The, the experience has changed. It has. I almost want to say dampened my excitement over the football program it's changed and by the way i'll tell you this when i'm see when i'm watching a game anywhere my default mode is to basically sit on my hands because of the press box like i if a, if a big play happens in, in, a, in a high school game that i'm watching i don't cheer i just sit there because that's the protocol from the press box and i'm conditioned to do that um it, it, so it, it's definitely changed a lot about how I view it. And, and I'm curious if, if that's the same for you, at least as far as Michigan is concerned. It's definitely changed it. So, um, you know, what, you know, first of all, you know, I live a few miles further than you. You know, we, we only live about five minutes from each other. I drive by your house on the way to my job every day. So I live relatively co- close as well. Um, the thing about that is you do run into people around town, right? And one of the things that I've had to stop myself is that I'll see players, right? And you see something, you know, and, and again, I've seen, you, you, okay, you've seen some things, right? <laughs> you, you've seen some things. Sure. And the first thing I go is, oh, man, I sure hope, I sure hope nobody has seen that, right? And, and we're not talking anything bad. We're, you know, we're, you'll just see something that you kind of go, oh, that probably isn't the best look, right? And instead of, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to my blog and, and, and write about it, I actually feel bad because I go, oh boy, I'm sure you didn't intend that. You know, you know what I mean? It's just weird when you run into people in the athletic department and players Completely. around town. You really, I really see them more as people. And, and I'll tell you, um, so one thing that's completely changed for me is that you know 10 years ago, uh, well, well, okay, first, Let's talk about this has, hasn't exactly been the best 10 years of Michigan football. Okay? <laughs> Correct. So I find myself thinking, oh, man, could you have imagined doing this for Bo and Mo and Lloyd, right? I mean, the the really glory years to have this kind of access. Um, you know, we've had some tough sledding, right? So, yes. so that has impacted – I think that has impacted my fandom a little bit. Um you know, the, the thing that I, I think, though, like, like I'll think of the thing that's changed me, right, is 10 years ago, I would bring my camera in, you know, or let's say 15 years ago, I'd bring my camera into the stadium and I would take pictures and like I, you know, had season tickets during, you know, Tom Brady. I got some really great Tom Brady photos. Um, I was able to get him autographed by Tom when he was here. So every year or so, I would go to the to the fan day and I would get my pictures autographed. Right. And they're, they're all up in a file cabinet or up on my wall. The thing that I've noticed about being close to the program up close is you really see the people who were uh, taking advantage of the players, you know, the memorabilia, the signing of autographs, the people who show up with a bag of stuff. And I will tell you, I have not, gotten an autograph of a player in over 10 years and yeah it, it, it gets weird it, yeah. yeah it's just it's and it's one of those things like like denard robinson is one of my favorite players of all time i have some amazing pictures of him and when you when you you talk to him and you kind of get to know him a little bit you, you see the stuff they put up with and, and you know john bacon wrote about this in his book right like yeah. a day in the life of denard robinson and there's a guy with a garbage bag full of stuff outside in the parking lot at Schembechler Hall. And and I'll tell you, I've never seen a player refuse a little kid who wants an autograph. I can understand why they get sick of signing autographs for for the same people who show up all the time. And Yeah, and, 
and, and I'll take it a step further with the former players because, um, you know, Phil, I, I really only do history. I mean, I do some cultural stuff around the program, the uniforms, the fun stuff. But other than that, I'm talking about history. So coincidentally, well, not not so coincidentally through that, but also through some relationships I've built over the years in this town, um, I've talked to a lot of former players from a lot of different era, eras. And there's rumors and things about, you know, shattered relationships or broken relationships with the athletic department and the reasons for that. Um, I've heard a lot of those stories firsthand, okay? And I'm not here to, I'm not going to talk about them, but I've heard a lot of those stories, certainly at least from the, the perspective of the player. And I've heard a few from the other side. And, um, and we had a lot of that going on, of course, uh, before, um, when, when Lloyd was at the end of his 10, basically the last 10 years, we've, we've had this, you know, the only time I feel like it was close to being a, a United front, which it wasn't completely was when Harbaugh was hired. Um, Hulk helped retro was a mess and you had these different clans or groups of people and you've heard all the stories. Well, I know the truth about some of those stories. Bacon exposed some of the truth and having seen some of that, it does, it does shape your way you, uh, that you view the program and, and what you see around us. And we do see a little more than most people in here. And, and, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it back, Phil. I, I don't want to go back to, you know, 1993 fan guy. I, I'm proud of what I've done and learned, but it does shake you. That's all I'm saying. Oh, no doubt. And I'll tell you the, so again, I'm not the, Oh, you know, Hey, give me an autograph guy because I never want them to look at me as one of those guys who's taking advantage, right? So yeah. so it's tough because, you know, I do have a relationship with guys, and you know, again, as you do. So um, it, it's interesting how it's impacted. I'll tell you the other thing that it's changed, um, it, and it's just an observation, right, is I see the machine that it is, and I see that it's not great for everybody who goes through it. You know, like, and, yeah. and you see guys who come in all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and, and some guys, they go through it, and it's a positive experience, and they love it, and, and it's great, right? And then you see some guys who just get tore up by it. And, and, and I will tell, sure. you, I'll tell you, Greg, the one thing that I've seen is that with the exception of Denard Robinson, I don't know who's enjoyed being a starting quarterback at Michigan the last 10 years. I mean, great, great point. You you see it, and and it's just like, oh my gosh! I mean, starting with, you know, Rich Rod, you know, uh, jamming square pegs and round holes at quarterback, and Nick Sheridan just getting his butt kicked. Right? I mean, yep. a guy who should have been holding a clipboard, who is running a system that he's not suited for, getting just literally the crap kicked out of him, and then getting massacred in the in the you know, from the fandom and in the media. And honestly, I, I look at it and, you know, there's a couple other examples that, that, you know, you see because you are up close and, and I feel bad for guys. I mean, I, I, I wonder sometimes as freshmen, if they really know what they're getting into. And um, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, even, even Devin Gardner, right. I mean, took a lot of abuse, almost got killed at Michigan state. And seemed like a guy who had the, I mean, everything going for him and, you know, had a nice career here, but boy, and, and, and Shay looks like he's aged like 10 years, you know, <laughs> and I totally understand. Can you imagine, can yeah. you imagine the scrutiny and the pro, I mean, the whole thing. Well, look at like Shane Morris, right? You have a guy, Shane who, Morris. you get Perfect. a guy yeah. who comes in top recruit. And I'll tell you, like, there's been some very uncomfortable press conferences, okay? And the press conference after the game where it appeared, and we say appeared, that, you know, he got concussed, right? And we're sitting in the media room waiting for Brady Hoke to come out, and there were there was conjecture that he wasn't going to come out because, and I will tell you, he shouldn't have come out, right? And he came out. And it was one of the most uncomfortable press conferences that I've ever seen. 
And, and again, it's just, you know, he had no answers. The answers were inconsistent. And again, you had, you know, we find out later in Bacon's book, all the drama that was happening behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and again, I just see the guys who come through the, and, and oh, so another thing, right? So one of the things that drives a lot of, of websites is recruiting information, right? Yeah. So here's what I've learned. Okay. If we get a class of 25 or 30 guys, half of them are going to be gone in two years, right? Three years. So pretty much it's really hard for me to get excited about anybody. You know, I'm so tired of hearing about the next Tom Brady. I'm so tired of hearing about the next Jim Harbaugh because here's what we, here's what we know, right? There'll be guys who can't cut it academically. There's guys who it's just not a fit for. There's guys who miss their girlfriend. There's guy. I mean, you can go down the list of things that will happen, right? Yeah. And I think we, we get a lot of guys that peaked too in high school. Oh yeah, and and the, and the thing yeah. is, is that recruiting is such an inexact science, because there are all these factors that kick in when you go away to school, right? And, yes. And I'll tell you the thing that I, other thing that I've recognized is that you know I I went to U of M, proud alum. There is no way in heck I could have done what these guys do, and stayed you know on track academically. And no, no chance, no chance. You know, it, it's, no. it's, it's one of the things that, you know, if there's anything that, you know, I would tell people is, well, okay. Uh, things I say, you know, the last guy on the roster is one of the best football players you've ever seen. Okay. And I don't say that lightly. Okay. I, you know, works volunteered with the high school program for over 20 years, you know, uh, sometime concurrent. Some of that was concurrent with me covering Michigan. Right. I'd see recruits in high school who looked amazing, right? But yep. but the thing is, is that high school good is different from college good, okay? And you know, one of my one of my favorite stories, Greg, is we played against John Jansen, okay? And I remember when John Jansen committed to Michigan, I went, "Oh, nice kid, gonna be gonna be a special teams guy, gonna be gonna be an <laughs> athlete, right?" And yeah. and again, he was a really good high school player, okay? But at the time, he committed like in September, okay? No big brouhaha about it. And I had seen him play. He Again, we played against him for two years, and I thought, oh, nice kid, right? Going to be gonna be a character guy. Okay, one of the best linemen to ever play at Michigan, had a pro career. Um, you know, I, I my father-in-law taught with his dad in high school, so I heard all the updates. And, and that, for me, that's the perfect example is that I don't know anything about recruiting, right? Um, <laughs> that's great. I love know, that story. And again, you know, the funny story about him is he, he, you know, he played tight end. He actually beat us with a pass in the league championship game. So I always give him a hard no time kidding. about it. So, so no but the kidding. point is, is that recruiting... That's a good dude right there, by oh, the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but that's my yeah. point is that I would tell you, if you matter of fact, if you saw him in high school, you'd say he was a basketball player. He was really tall oh, and thin, and then he goes to Michigan, you know, and just, you know, gets in the weight room, starts working out, and and then is again one of the best offensive linemen ever to play at U of M, and and went on to have a really good pro career. So, again, I I whenever I see the 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 class of new guys, I kind of I kind of feel bad, right? Because, again, you see them, they all think they're going to be Heismans. They all think, I mean, and I think that that's one of the things I notice when you talk to them is everybody thinks they're going to be great. And Yeah, well, there, there's also a bit of a hype machine, not only from the athletic department, of course, they're going to put these guys in the best light, right? And with the power of social media, they can do that. But all along... Um, it was in Rivals and Scouts, and I'm dating myself, but when, when those when it was Rivals and Scouts, it, it was in their best interest to tout these guys and to create excitement and to gain subscribers to hear about these stories, right? So there is a whole hype machine. And frankly, you know, Sam Webb on the radio, I love Sam. He's he's telling good stories about these guys, and he's telling he's telling the exciting stories about what these guys might bring for a reason. And, um, people love it. I don't, I'm like you. I don't, I just don't get that into it. And I have seen what you're talking about. You know, I understand why, you know, sites and people fall recruiting. You can follow it year round, 
which is one of the yeah. things you struggle with is you have a lot of things to talk about during the season, but in the off season, you, you talk about recruiting. I always say it's like the weather. People always like to hear about the weather and they really don't remember how right or wrong you are. They just love to hear about the weather. <laughs> so. That's a great way to put it. No, and I get it. And Sam, Sam himself, I interviewed him years ago. He says it extends the season and it's exactly what you're talking about. And the weather analogy is perfect. So interesting. Um, one of the things that was difficult to cover is, you know, during the Rich Rod era, to have access and have the whole NCAA thing going on, um, and then having the, you know, following that with Brandon, you know, there are a lot of things as a fan I wish I hadn't seen. Um, yeah, that was was not exactly fun, you know. Yeah, and I and I I have to admit I was excited when Brandon was was hired because I thought. This is a guy who gets it. And I've heard some stories about him before he got here, but I'm thinking this is perfect. In fact, I I thought about going to him um, and kind of going, look, because he did do some things with the historical aspects of the program, um, which aren't around anymore around the Legends program. But I thought, hey, I talked to this guy about really promoting some of these stuff and maybe even one day working for the athletic department and doing this stuff. Never did it. Glad I didn't. You know, glad I glad I didn't step in there. Um, but that was something. And I mean, that's we're joking, but that's really been our at least my tenure has been. And and I was in the old press box uh, my first season. That's kind of been my tenure has been pretty rough with with a couple of <laughs> a couple of highlights here. But I've I've seen a lot. Um, and I envision this this thing, Phil, where we're like sitting at the Rose Bowl together. Um, you know, in the press box or on the field, <laughs> you know, like kind of happened through, through most of our, our uh, fandom, um, through, through our fandom and fan careers. And I've been in the Rose Bowl four times, but to go there as a member of the media would be, would be something. And, uh, boy, that seems that just, uh, that just has not happened. Has it, as I look at through my credentials here, I get a lot of bowl games, but no Rose Bowls. Yep. No Rose Bowls as, you know, matter of fact, I went to the last Michigan Rose Bowl, Texas, but just as a fan. And, you know, back then it was, oh, well, I'll, I'll go to this Rose Bowl. I mean, uh, maybe I'll skip it for the next one because we seem to be going every other year. So sure, I had no idea. So, um, you know, one of the things that's been tough for me is that I have a 14-year-old daughter who has been to Disney World, but not Disneyland. <laughs> and I would tell her, well, when Michigan goes to the Rose Bowl, we'll we'll go. We'll go to Disneyland, right? And every year, she'll be like, okay, how's the season going? And then, you know, she's old enough now to go, yeah, we're not going to the Rose Bowl this year, are we? <laughs> um, so, so that's different. Um, you know, I think one thing that's changed is, for me, and again, talking about the differences, you know, getting to see the how the sausage is made up close is – you know, I, okay, so I did go to the last two bowl games, right? And, again, awesome to be on the field, awesome spectacle. But, and, and, I, and I especially remember, like, out at the, at the Outback Bowl, just looking, going, you know, we're not where I want to be, not where I think Harbaugh wants us to be. And, and just, you know, thinking back to, to how I thought the Harbaugh era was going to be at this point, and again, still a work in progress, but um, I think I expected things to be better at this point. Okay, um, and and it's hard because you do see it up close and you do see how close things are, but it's kind of like you're you're this close, but you're a million miles away. You know, it's it's all in perspective. Yeah. So I think I know when Harbaugh came in, I, I had super high expectations, and I thought realistic expectations. So. Um, it, it, again, it's, it's interesting. Um, so again, I I do feel, you know, hitting, you know, going over what we talked about, I do feel like we're kind of accepted by the media, but, uh, it's interesting because new media has grown so much that, uh, it it definitely is one of those things. So, so Greg, I want to bounce something off of you that, that I've been thinking. So that one of the things that I've noticed with traditional media and we'll say you know news free press you know the the guys who are around all the time 
is, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, not all the games were on TV. They were the only source of truth for what happened at away games, right? And even yep. for and even for home games. So it used to be that maybe they didn't have to work so hard, right? So now that everybody sees, you know, and, and I think the media landscape has changed in two ways. First of all, everybody sees every game now, right? Yes. And, and I think one of the things that I notice is that people who watch the TV, who watch the game on TV, see in some ways a completely different game than what we see at the, at the field at the game, right? Correct. So every now, so being able to watch, to follow the game in real time on social media, people will point out things that you don't necessarily see in real time, right? Yeah. So what happens is you go to the post game and somebody will ask Harbaugh something. He'll be like, well, I haven't seen the tape. And, and it, it's a completely honest answer because, and what I think is interesting is that the millions of people who watch games on TV sometimes know more than we do because they have the benefit of watching the replays over and over again, hearing the, the commentators, you know, uh, again, you have the, the mind, uh, the hive mind all kind of watching and contributing all at once. Um, so traditional media has kind of lost their exclusivity on covering the games, right? Yeah, um, no, it's a great point. Now, yep. the other thing is, is that, you know, and, and not to get political, but it's very similar to what we're seeing from the president right now, right? Harbaugh can talk directly to the fans. He doesn't need the traditional media the way he used to. And if anything, the traditional media needs him more than he needs them. And it's it's interesting because the more I, I look at how the dynamics changed is that, you know, Harbaugh can tweet whatever he wants. He has his own podcast. He, you know, he chooses who he does interviews with, right? Yep. Yep, yep, and yep. and it, it really the power has changed. And I know it's not like that for all programs, but for Michigan it is. For Ohio State it is, right? He yep. can control the narrative, he can change the narrative if he wants. And it's interesting to me. Um I, I will tell you that that the comparison between Rich Rodriguez, Brady Hoke, and Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is is and and I know there's gonna be some some people will will resist this, but he is a, he is a master with the media. He knows what he's doing, and it is night and day between what we saw with Brady Hoke, and uh, he definitely he definitely runs the narrative, right? So it's interesting because it's nice to have access to comment on that. So, like for example, we'll go to pre- you know we'll go to the Monday morning press conferences, and sometimes he'll talk for five minutes, Greg. And it's just hilarious because if he doesn't want to talk, he's not going to talk. But then he'll go and do his radio show and his podcast and release everything that way. And you have a lot of people in the media listening to those podcasts and those shows to get things to write about. And they're hearing about at the same time everybody in the Michigan fan base is hearing it. No, you're exactly right. In fact, he he will... If generally speaking, if you give him a yes, no answer that he doesn't want to talk about, you'll basically get a yes or no, right? Or, or a short sentence. If he wants to talk about something, he'll go as far as, and he said this, and I can't remember what it was, but you might remember, but he said, oh, do you want me to talk about that? Knowing full well that he came there prepared to basically make a statement about something, he's in control. I agree. Um people who haven't watched him, I think people might disagree with you or, or argue with you about that point that he is a master of this. I am convinced of the same. I, I believe he knows exactly what he's doing and he, his rhythm is, is a little odd for some people. And, and it is, it's, it's different. His cadence is different. Um, his gestures and his face, facial expressions are different, but I think it is deliberate what he's doing. And I think you're right. And, and to your point that all this stuff is out there, you're exactly right. Um, I do think the media needs him more than, than uh, I think he has plenty of out, out, you know, forums in order to deliver the message he wants to deliver. And he uses it very well, very effectively. The funniest thing you'll see is that somebody will ask him a question and it, it'll, it will be almost a yes or no answer. 
and he will just go off on a rant answering almost the question he wanted. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is from seeing, you know, working with people who've done media training and, and have done a little bit of media training myself, you know, they always tell you, answer the question you want, not the question you get. And that's what he does when he wants to talk, you know, and I'll point out some, some very big examples, you know, um, you know, a few years back when there was the problem with the medical conditions in Purdue. Okay. He went to the press conference on Monday and, and that's what he was going to talk about. And, you know, he delivered a lecture on how it should be and how players should be taken care of. And there are times like that where he very clearly comes in and is going to leverage the media to get his message out. And then there are times you're not going to get anything. And I'll tell you, um, and and that's another thing. I think that people don't understand, you know, they'll say, you know, you'll, you'll get emails on this and, and tweets. Well, why don't you ask him this? And there's a vibe in the room, right? And again, you're a guest, you kind of know, you know, what kind of answer you're going to get. And, and I, I'll bring up an example after uh, the Peach Bowl last year. The podcast is up on, on you know, my website. Uh, literally, it was a six-minute post-game press conference. And the guy, the media guy from the Peach Bowl is like, come on, ask questions. And you could look at Harbaugh. He was pissed. He was upset. I'm not going to poke the bear. And everybody else is not going to, you know, you, you just get a, a, a vibe in the room. Nope, not going there. Not, you know, all you're going to get is a growl and just and just let it go, right? You know, yeah. save your powder for another day. So it is interesting to see that dynamic of give and take. Um, and, 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 and again, I'd say the people who do really good work get to ask really good questions and generally get really good answers. So you, you definitely can see that there are relationships there that, that he there, – there's work – there's people's work who he appreciates and there's people work who he doesn't care about. <laughs> and, yep, you know, no, no, exactly. it's, it's, you know, definitely, you know, kind of where you fall. Um, so, uh, so again, Greg, uh, anything else you'd like to cover? I thought this has been a, a really good conversation. I, I've really enjoyed it. No, it's fun. I, I like talking about this stuff. I actually think it's probably an underserved, and I think for obvious reasons, but it is one thing that guys like us can talk about is you're not going to get Wojo to talk about the media short of a joke about Angelique. He, they're not going to talk about this stuff. We can. Um, we should. And I think it's an interesting topic. So they, thanks for talking to me. I could talk all day. In fact, these are small versions of a lot of the conversations that we, we have at press box. Amongst other things, you know, uh, one point yeah. that I'll I'll bring up, and and uh, I'm gonna give the I'm gonna throw the media a bone here, right? Especially during the Rich Rod era, I was amazed, and we're talking about like where the power is in the relationship, right? Yeah. In the Rich Rod era, they would have there were times they would have a press conference before practice, yes, and then after practice. So literally. You know, you have people who drive, you know, two or three hours to get out to the, you know, to, you know, the people come up from Toledo or come up from Columbus and they're basically just sitting around for a couple hours. So it, it's interesting to see, you know, and then, you know, things kind but of. He, didn't he also do, didn't they also do a podium one with the cameras on and then one, one off as well on Mondays? Weren't there like two, there was a podium one and then we walked over at the young center at that square table, the, 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 you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. You know, you know, yeah. you know, what's funny about that is I love that. Okay. So kind of to, to add some flavor to what you're talking about, yeah. um, you know, Hoke would go up and I, I specifically remember it with Hoke. He would get up and he'd do like the formal press conference, right. With the video yeah. and everything. And then, and, and I know, you know what, Rich Rod did this too, but I really remember it with Hoke. He'd come down and sit down and kind of just talk. And, yes. and, and yes. I thought that was, you know, cause listen, one of the reasons I, I, and I do this cause I love Michigan football, but I really love football. So to be able to sit and talk football with Brady Hoke or Rich Rod and just kind of have an informal discussion was really, really cool. Right. And, and you got a lot of stuff from it. A lot of it was on background, but, but again, you just kind of talk about football stuff. Like you talk about the NFL, you talk about different schemes 
and you and I think that when you just see a coach in a press conference, all these guys know what they're doing. Okay, all these guys have forgotten more football than than you and I will ever know, right? And when you'd have when you'd get a chance to sit in these informal settings, you really it was really exposed in a, in really kind of a cool way. The the thing with Harbaugh is he just doesn't he doesn't care and doesn't have time for that, right? So no, I, I no. think that's one of the the most disappointing things I have is that I was really hoping um, to just hear him talk about football more. You know, he talks about his philosophy: football is good, football is righteous. You know, all that stuff. But he really is kind of a, a a mystery as far as what's going on, what he's thinking, and uh, I think that's the one disappointment. I, one of the disappointments I have, you know, besides not beating Ohio State and you know winning a Big Ten and all that, all that other stuff, uh, just just kind of having the chance to talk football. Uh, again, he's a different kind of guy. He's on a different wavelength, and he really doesn't. I I really think he really doesn't enjoy talking to media. You know, yeah, he, he will no. use it as a tool, but it's not it's not on his favorite things to do. And I, I will use this in his defense that most of the quirky the, the things that are perceived as quirky or brash or whatever you want to call it that are that circulate around the national media, I've found that usually those words are, are deliberate and they are in defense either to take attention away or they're in defense of his team, even going after um, Michigan state and defending Devin Bush. And I think, and that's something that came through in Bacon's book, Bacon's latest. And um, so I, I don't care about, I, 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 I want a coach who's looking out for the players. And I really feel like Harbaugh, that is, is really his his modus that that's really what he wants to do um but yeah i i but i'm disappointed with the results as well phil but i i I wouldn't make a change you know if we're getting down to that he's my guy i want to see him make make this happen as a fan and as a if if i even if i remove myself from that fandom um based on what i've seen i think he's the guy but i'm with you it would be nice to know a little more to get brady would come up to you and He'd look at what's on your laptop and say something about it. You know, Rich Rod would just talk, <laughs> and and that was fun. And I and I miss that too. And, and that's the thing that I think people miss is that whatever you think about Rich Rod as a coach, and again, definitely not happy with the job he did here. But um, you know, we talk about you know, you live out in Pittsfield. You know, Rich Rod lived out in Pittsfield, right? Yeah. And yeah. I saw the guy at Sam's Club one day, right? And I swear, Greg, he's pushing the basket with Rita next to him, and there Rita was a, Rod. there was a guy <laughs> following him around, giving him football advice. Hey, oh coach, have you thought about trying this? And I saw it, and I was going to walk up and just say, "Hey, right," because again, you know, he, he knows me by sight at least, and you just see what they deal with on a on a everyday basis. You know, unbelievable. His kids went to Celine now. And and I've you know I, I know I've told this story. I, this story is renowned, but I will I will tell it in the podcast for the first time. So, um, WTKA runs their uh, their Mott fundraiser every spring, right? And they used to do it where um, you would work at the radio station, volunteer at the radio station. They'd shuttle players out. They'd have a whole day, right? So I would volunteer every year. So as part of it, they actually needed volunteers at Schembechler Hall. So I'm at Schembechler Hall and they were having, you know, some kind of uh, a van outside and they said, stand here and make sure nobody goes in the weight room because the players are still in there. So, you know, if, if anybody comes in for the event, don't let them go in the weight room. And I'm there with my daughter who was, who was very young at the time. And Rich Rod comes out, he's heading out to the event and he comes down, he's shaking hands and he shakes my hand and he looks down and he goes, so young lady, who are you? And my daughter looks at him and says, who are you? And he goes, well, I'm the football coach here. And my daughter goes, you know, being a little smart, seven or eight year old, a uh, little smart Alec goes, well, I know a lot of football coaches. Oh, oh. And he goes, well, who? And he goes, well, my dad's a football coach. My uncles are football coaches. Oh, and Lloyd Carr, I know him. He's great. And, and I just sit there and you know, I was I was just so embarrassed. I wanted to dive underneath the rug, right? Sure. And Rich Rod looks at me and he goes, "Hey, I have one. 
I have one this age too. We both have our hands full, don't we? And he was so <laughs> he was so good natured about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's just That's one of those great. things that these are the kind of things these guys deal with day in and day out. In addition to the, you know, so I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to, you know, kind of close with is, you know, we talked about how we're treated, right? And I'll tell you the one, the only thing that, uh, one of the things that's changed in a positive way is the amount of respect I have for the coaches and the players, you know, seeing what they go through, seeing the wear and tear, um, you know, nobody cares more about winning or losing than the guys on the team. And if there, if there was anything I could communicate to the average fan, it's just how much these guys care and how much, you know, everybody's in, you know, uh, you know, all in for Michigan. And really it's, it's the thing that, you know, it's, it hurts because, you know, I've gone to Ohio state the last four or five times we've lost and to sit in that interview room, especially with the seniors who are never going to get another chance to beat Ohio state. You really, it's really difficult. You know, the fan of me really hurts for these guys and, and there's no doubt they, they take it extremely seriously. No, you're spot on. And I mentioned the proximity, but it, it extends to the families. You mentioned Rich Rod's families here. Well, guess what? There, there are a lot of other families here. Durep knows what's across the street um, from my neighborhood. Um, put it this way. Um, wives of, of these guys we get to know through fundraisers and things like that. They're like military families, and they're grinding it out, and all they want to do is win and be successful, and they're doing everything they can. Getting to know them, it does change your opinion, and it does. it's real easy to sit there and yell, what are you doing, or follow Richard around. But when you get to know people and you see what they're doing, you're exactly right. It changes you. And, I, and again, I'm glad I know that stuff, but it changes you, man. It just changes you, and you do respect their job a whole lot. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. Thanks to Greg Dooley of MVictors.com for joining me today. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.